0: pregnancy, and parenting with chronic illness. No topic will be off limits here. I'll also talk to other patients and share their stories and advice. Think of this as your chance to sit down and chat with a friend who's been there. Ready to figure out how to manage your arthritis life? Let's get started. So this episode is a recording of an arthritis poetry reading event in May 2021, and you'll hear from nine different poets about their experiences with arthritis. So I can't wait, and I hope you enjoy.
1: Uh, My name is Kristen, and I have been living with rheumatoid arthritis and Sjogren's for about three and a half years now, so I'm still pretty new to this. But um, I dove right in um, and haven't shied away from kind of exploring the diagnosis and how it impacts my life. So I'm excited to share a poem that I wrote, uh, kind of talking about how the chronic illness has impacted my life. And the title of the poem is called An Unexpected Rebirth. There is a fire burning inside me a flame that was brought to life by unknown influences. The kindling that breathed life into this flame is shrouded in mystery and is not meant for my days. So instead of searching for the origins of the fire, I lean into its fierce energy. I get to know every part of it, the vibrant colors that dance and change without a moment's notice. The variable and some days intolerable heat that increases with each moment and new breath. The crackling sounds as the flames grow stronger by consuming all nearby combustibles. This fire lives in me and some days it consumes me and some days it lies dormant. So I learn to let the fire fuel me instead of overcome me. I look to the trees that thrive on fire, trees that need fire to spark regrowth of new saplings. The very thing that could be their demise is instead used as inspiration for rebirth. I let the fire spark my rebirth. The flames generate a new understanding of what lies within me. It enables me to love myself for who I am. It shifts my focus and perspective in a way that might have just saved my life. So although I may be burned, singed, and brittle in places that were once untouched, I dance with my fire to breathe life into a misunderstood body. Thank you. Great job.
2: So did you want to take a moment to maybe... Explain the meaning behind that or inspiration
1: if you want. Yeah. I mean, the inspiration was, you know, living with rheumatoid arthritis. So I mean, using that analogy of looking at my chronic illness as a fire um, you know, trying to bring in some of those things like crackling sounds, you know, every time I do yoga, it's like fireworks going off. And that's just how it is. Now it's my symphony um, that goes on inside of my body. Um, and I think, you know, drawing inspiration from nature is something that I've always found very comforting, you know, nature and the earth has been here for as long as we've been here for much longer than we've been here and it knows what it's doing. Um, And so, you know, when I was, about a year into my diagnosis, I learned about these trees um, that are in Alabama. I'm not from here originally, but they're called um, Alabama longleaf pines. And their whole thing is that they need fire to grow. And I mean, a lot of trees are like that, but these ones are very specific um, into how they interact with fire for regrowth. Um, And so I got that tattooed on me um, (laughs) because it felt so relevant to looking at my chronic illnesses. You know, we can't, We can't beat this, um, but we can do the best with the cards that have been dealt to us. And so learning to accept it and learning to dance with it and learning to let it fuel a rebirth feels like the narrative that fits for me in my life. That's
2: beautiful. So does anyone want to go next after Kristen?
1: Hi, everyone.
3: Uh, I'm Emma. Also kind of new to this, I was diagnosed about a year ago. I'm under a year ago, actually, with um, it's still just a general inflammatory arthritis, um, but started right in my hips. So I was really um, grappling with a lot of change in mobility that thankfully is a lot better now. Um, so I pull up my injury. I heard a mantra recently saying my body is the least interesting thing about me. And while I agree it's not the most interesting thing, I can't say that it's not at all. I find my body fascinating because it doesn't work exactly how it's supposed to. So I personify its systems and I assign them emotions. My immune system is angry. It's the most emotional. My circulatory system is lazy, not bothering to push the blood all the way to my toes, it seems. My digestive system is just confused. My immune system takes out her anger on my joints and I can hear her loud and clear. Each week I send in a mediator to try to settle her disputes. She's effective but expensive. Trying to identify the source of my immune system's frustration and her subsequent retaliation has not been easy. Everybody has their theories. My mom worries it's her fault. I wonder if it's something I've put into my body or a grudge from an old infection. My doctor, my immune system's therapist, if you will, hasn't figured it out either. So maybe we'll never know. I do feel like we're reaching a bit of an understanding now, me and my immune system, It's made of compromises or rather they feel like sacrifices. So I take the meds, I do the physio, I rest more than I would like to and I eat well most of the time. And in return, she's agreed to not make me worse for now. Some trade deal. So yeah, while I have plenty to offer and be proud of that's completely unrelated to my body, personal professional successes, my relationships, stellar sense of humor and some rudimentary poetry skills, I'm proud of my body. I'm thankful for it and the things it allows me to do despite its angry systems. And I really do think it's fascinating.
2: Thank you for sharing. That was really nice. Thanks. Do you have any other words you want to share, Emma, before we move on to the next person? Um, Not really. I
3: just think like it's kind of fun and I think I often have, especially now dealing with chronic illness, like personifying my body and um, yeah. <laughs> speaking to it. And that way, you know, I also like, so on days when I'm feeling really good I'm like I literally like say thank you to my body out loud yes. and when I can do new yoga poses I'm like well thanks for doing this like or when I can you know go on a hike with my partner when I haven't been able to before like it's things that I'm like okay I'm really glad I can do this so
2: yeah that's really important I've noticed that about myself too helps
4: I- I'd like to go next I think it- okay it goes smoothly because mine is also based <laughs> off of um like uh, things that I see a lot I know that a lot of us are called warriors all the time and someone I wonder if you're here actually but I know that someone's Instagram page that I follow their handle is reluctant warrior and I'm like oh I feel that so much you know so I'm like I'm gonna go with that so um, my poem is called not so great at title so sorry but <laughs> my poem is called being at war with myself aka the rocky relationship with my body I'm fighting a war I don't wanna fight. In armor, I would have never chosen for myself. Against an enemy I would have never imagined with weapons I don't even have yet. Calloused and war-torn, sometimes cruelly numb, others brutally overwhelming. A struggle, a conflict, ongoing, relentless, and endless. And what of the armor that I need to fight in this war? I don't get to choose it. I feel like an awkward robocop, protective on a mission, indiscriminate and unforgiving with a cold outer shell. I feel like a violent juggernaut, rampaging, slamming, yelling, throwing things unstoppable and unreasonable. I feel like an all-consuming venom taking over every part of me. No consent, contra mi voluntad, intense, suffocating and unwanted. I have no choice in armor for the fight. But nevertheless, the fight persists. And who is the enemy that I need to fight in this war? The enemy is not outside of me. The enemy is me. The enemy is my body, my poor body that is mistaken. It's mistakenly attacking itself, thinking that it needs to be fighting, constantly fighting. Fighting against what? Fighting against whom? My poor body, it does not feel balanced. It does not feel in harmony. Instead, it's full of ongoing trauma, hurt, and struggling. My body needs compassion. My body needs to heal. My body wants to heal. And so, why do I need to fight against my body in this war? My body is not the enemy. After all, we're working towards the same goal. And that goal is not merely healing, that goal is living life to the fullest not just the happy, joyful, successful parts, but the grieving, challenging, learning from failure parts too. I'm fighting so I can keep on keeping on, so I can keep living, surviving, thriving, life. The enemy is what keeps me from doing that. Sometimes that feels like my poor body, but I hate seeing myself as the enemy. I love myself too much to do that. Regardless of perspective, The fight keeps on keeping on too. And what of the weapons that I need to fight in this war? Like the reluctant warrior that I am. I used to have a shield. I thought it was perfect for me and that it would always protect me. But now it's gone. And I'm learning that I can't just be on defense anyway. I need more than a shield. I'm learning to make my wound my weapon and my pain my purpose. And like the Phoenix I hear in so many songs, like the phoenix that other people tell me I am, like the phoenix I know I have inside me. I may not be quite ready yet, but out of the ashes will come a more empowered me that recognizes vulnerability as my strength and the fight of my life and the fight for my life as not only necessary, but formative and influential. Despite everything, or maybe because of everything, I will learn how to fight in this war. I will learn to embrace my fight. I will learn to adapt to my armor. I will learn to find who my true enemy is. I will learn to use the weapons I create. I will learn because that's ongoing too. And that's my fault. <laughs>
2: Woo <Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo! laughs> oh thank you so much uh Jital, is that how you say your name yes oh my gosh yes okay. yes yeah. perfect okay I wasn't sure <laughs> so that was that fun. was really powerful thank you so much for sharing
4: all right um a lot of this is also based on a, a playlist that I've created that's called fuck ableism <laughs> 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 and that I am I am more than happy to share <laughs> the link to yeah uh, why not songs that led me to create this poem but yeah
5: thank you hi good afternoon Hi, I'm not from America, I'm from Jamaica. Nice to meet Hi. you. Hi, I write. I follow Versus Artritis on Facebook and I saw your page, Rising Above RA. And um, it prompted me to go over to IG to follow your page. And then I came across this event. And so I decided to, you know, basically get some courage to you know join this event um in my case i've been struggling with ra for about seven years since 2014 it has been rough right um, 2014 recently i had to do an operation on my hand um so my hands my wrist is fused um, my joints feel like they have been crystallized. Basically, um, my right hand, which is my writing hand, <clears throat> has been completely ravaged, and um, it has been a struggle to cope. And I, I appreciate the fact that this event has been organized to, you know, give all words the space to, you know, allow us to unload you know, unload all the pain that we have to struggle with, all the fire that we have to cope with every day, because I, I literally feel at times that I am on fire, right? So um, I have two points that I am going to share. Um, bear with me, I'm working with one hand. All right. Um, so this first one is entitled, I am more than this grief. Okay. It's pretty short. All right, so I am more than this grief. I am more than this pain. I am more than this plague of fires in plague of fires in my bones. I am more than these hands turning on themselves and finding even poetry too heavy to carry some days. I am more than this grief. I am more than this pain. The other one, same grief theme. When a certain grief rebels, there is a kind of grief that will not be anything but felt. It will not be pushed aside, shafted, and left buried under facades. It will not be made to feel as if it is unworthy of flowing freely down your cheeks. It refuses to be a trapped inferno in your throat or banned from leaping off lids. It will be something more than a crescendo in your chest. It wants to be everything, but unbroken, unspoken, unheard, unseen, unsung, unfelt. And if it must, this grief will rebel. That poem came from a place where a lot of what we have to go through comes from a place of being silenced. You know, you feel so Mm self-conscious when it comes on to, you know, giving vent to how you feel you know because if you speak about how you feel oftentimes you feel as if it's imagined or you are exaggerating mm-hmm. and you're basically vilified almost for feeling the way you feel and so for me i i find myself having to walk around too much in silence and i feel like i it's i'm kind of like it's like a building up to being finally being able to express how I feel, you know, with having to grapple with um, this pain and the deformity and, you know, feeling like you, so much of your life is, you know, falling out of your reach. So poetry for me has been a very powerful means of unloading. And again, I'm very grateful for the opportunity um, that this event has presented.
2: Thank you so much for joining. I'm glad that we could connect. Thank you. Um, I lo- I'm
0: going to use that mantra to myself. Like I am more, that was just, I loved that simple yet elegant. Okay. So um, hi, I'm Cheryl Crow. I am a uh, occupational therapist who's had rheumatoid arthritis for a long time, 18 years now. And I've never written a poem before about it <laughs> or really. It's called a pleasure to have in class so i'm eight years old and i live for a chart it hangs in the front of the classroom tiny tidy boxes filled with stars gold stars for good children and i want to be a good girl i need to be a good girl a pleasure to have in class i fold my hands in my lap i suppress my boundless energy i zip my lip but i look around in desperation as the other children mess up they're loud disruptive and unruly We aren't going to earn our pizza party, our sweet reward for our best behavior. I guess they don't care or they've given up or they don't want it as much as I do, but I want it. I live to see those gold star stickers lined up in a row and I'll never give up. I'll be a good girl, a teacher's pet, a pleasure to have in class. I'm 12 now. My report cards have one small line where teachers can write a comment. And I live for one and one only, a pleasure to have in class. Yes, I find myself distracted by boys. I fold and pass notes sometimes to my best girlfriends while the teacher drones on. But while the other students seem to effortlessly rebel against authority, I can't resist the urge to be a good girl, a teacher's pet, a pleasure to have in class. I'm 16 now. I can finally drive myself to soccer practice in my best friend's house and high school football games and voted miss school spirit and homecoming princess. But lately I've been feeling strange. My stomach burns and my throat feels swollen. Food keeps getting stuck in it. I go to a special doctor. I tell her my food is getting stuck in my throat, but she corrects me. She says, I don't have food in my throat. I have the sensation of food being stuck in my throat. She says it's something called acid reflux and it should get better with medication. I have a lot of questions for her. Like, how can I know the difference between something being stuck in my throat and the sensation that something is stuck in my throat? But I don't ask the questions. I don't want to bother her. I need to be a good girl, a pleasant girl, and a pleasure to have in class. I'm 19 years old now, and my life is mostly good. I love my school, my boyfriend, and my roommates. But there's one thing I just can't figure out. Something is definitely wrong in my body. I've lost my appetite. I'm bloated. I'm fatigued. I have a sprained finger that won't go away. I've lost a lot of weight and I've done everything right my whole life. I've eaten well. I've exercised. I've avoided alcohol and hard drugs. And I watch my soccer teammates party hard. They don't suffer for it, but I suffer for no reason. It doesn't make sense. There must be an answer. I go to a gastrointestinal doctor. He does a few tests. And he tells my parents, he thinks I am faking an eating disorder. Nothing is wrong with my health. I need to stop being so anxious and maybe see a psychiatrist for hypochondria and anorexia. Deep inside, I know he's wrong, but I need to be a nice patient, a good patient, a pleasure to have in class. I can't argue with a doctor. Every problem in my life up until now has been solved through hard work or being a pleasure to have in class but it's not working this time. People don't just go from feeling healthy to wasting away out of nowhere. I never worried about my health until my health started deteriorating. Am I not supposed to be worried about that? What's the correct amount of worry for me to have in this situation? Tell me and I'll do it. I promise I'll earn a gold star if you just tell me how to worry correctly in this situation. But I can't have no worries in the situation. My body is unable to digest food, and food is pretty much important for my survival. But if you want me to, if that's the A plus response in the situation, I can try not to worry about that. My parents hire a concierge doctor to help figure out what's wrong with my body. Like a good student, I bring her my notes. My meticulously tracked symptoms, I've worked so hard to try to correlate my pain with what I'm eating, what I'm doing. There must be some explanation. She says, I'm too vigilant about my health. I need to worry less. The test came back clear. I'm not sick, just anxious. I always believed Mr. Rogers when he said, look for the helpers, ask for an adult if you're hurt. And I'm not prone to hopelessness, but I cry about this mess for the first time because What am I supposed to do when the helpers say, I don't need help? I'm 20 years old now. I woke up and suddenly I don't have just one sprained finger. All of my fingers are on fire. It feels like there's hot glue in each joint. I can't even hold my container of milk to pour my milk into my breakfast cereal. We go back to the concierge doctor. She runs more blood tests. She says, I probably have rheumatoid arthritis. She says there are medications that can help. She looks so serious and sad about it, but I am elated. Finally, I have an answer, a diagnosis, a treatment plan, and I have validation. I'm not crazy after all. There is something wrong. She keeps talking, but all I can think of is I was right. I'm not a hypochondriac after all. Fast forward a bit because I finished this this morning, (laughs) like two minutes ago, um, and I'm 39 now. I'm a mother, a wife, a volunteer, an advocate, even an arthritis educator. When my son was little, I went to therapy for the first time. I thought it was for postpartum anxiety, and it was for a little while. But eventually, it became about processing my chronic illness, really for the first time. And I'm given permission to feel my feelings, to feel angry at the medical gaslighting I had experienced. To feel sad for that young girl who thought if she was just a good enough patient, the helpers would help her. And I also feel relieved to realize I can still be a good person, but feel feelings that aren't happy, that are uncomfortable for others. And I can also give my permission or myself permission to feel gratitude for everything I still have. I've learned that there's no syllabus for being a chronic illness patient, no clear way to measure success, no gold stars to mark my progress. For so long, I wanted to believe there was a reason for everything. If I could just find the root of the problem, I could find the solution. But I've learned that sometimes health issues just make no sense. Sometimes you can do everything right and still get sick. And that's just life. I don't have to like it, but I can make peace with it and focus on living a good life despite it. Thank you, therapists. (laughs) I've also learned that I'm not alone. I'm connected to a worldwide network of others fighting the same battles. We learn from each other and support each other, and there's power in that. And I know there will always be a big part of me that wants to be a pleasure to have in class, but I've learned that being a pleasure to have in class doesn't always help me when it comes to health care. So I've learned to stand up for myself, to ask questions, to get the best care for myself, even if that means being annoying, even if that means being difficult, It does not come naturally still, but it gets easier with time. Traveled to Washington, D.C. to advocate for better treatment for patients like me, to advocate against unnecessary and harmful insurance practices. I've learned it's more important to protect myself and my health and the health of my fellow patients than to subvert my pain for others. And I've stopped suppressing my pain for the comfort of others. I am no longer a pleasure to have in class the
2: end <laughs> that was so amazing Cheryl. No. that is a poem. It's a poem is that okay i, I the poet that i
0: like is billy collins and his po- they don't rhyme or anything
2: but it's just uh, yeah i don't know it just no it doesn't have to rhyme i yeah, mean okay. i feel like if it, if this was a part of a book i would want to continue reading it oh you have like your writing has such like a great voice to it oh thank you like, yeah and i am have I, to say good enough? no no you're good yeah and i have to say that everyone who's gone so far you guys have done amazing yeah. I've loved each and every one of your pieces.
0: This episode is brought to you by Room to Thrive, a membership and support community where you'll learn how to develop your own Thrive toolbox so you can live a full life despite your rheumatic disease or chronic illness. Learn more in the show notes or by going to www.myarthritislife.net.
6: Would you guys mind if I went next, Daniel? Because my son is now asleep in the next room, so I'm conscious I <laughs> to talk for too late. <laughs> um, of course. Um, so yeah, I'm Joel, um, also Joel vs. Arthritis known as. Um, I've had arthritis since I was well, 10, diagnosed at 12. Um, basically, in a nutshell, my story is, I didn't talk about it for 25 years. Um, when I had a flare, I quit everything, sports club, social circles, moved on to the next thing and lived a basically a series of chapters for a life until I become a dad a couple of years ago. Um, and that kind of changed my whole mindset as Cheryl knows all about, so we recently just spoke about this. Um, <laughs> so now I tell my story, I've kind of gone full pendulum swing. Um, and I suppose it's a bit daunting for me because I've been writing these things for 25 years, but I've never actually read one out. So you'd think it will be good by now. I'm really not. Um, but some of mine are quite dark. So I've gone for sort of a more lighthearted one. Um, And if you'll permit me, because it's quite short, I've got a a second very short one I want to just say, just for the nod to you guys and all the hard work that everybody does. So this one's called The Arthritis Tease. Whisper it like I almost don't believe, but today when I woke, I was virtually pain free. Gone was the burning joints numbered four or five. For a second I rose and I thought I had died. I push and I poke, I jog up and down, I wait months for relief, so why try to make it hurt now? A surge in energy, oh it's been such a long while, since I got out of bed and descended stairs with a smile. Then the fear hits, but how long will this last? Has the flare subsided? Has the suffering passed? Sometimes a false hope hurts more than the disease. Is this remission or an arthritis tease? Time spent worrying is more time than it takes So I declutter my mind to make the most of this break I walk through the fields and I whisk through my chores How long before my painkillers? It doesn't matter no more After a day of achievement, I retire off to bed For the first time in months, asleep as the pillow hits my head I sleep like a log, I can't believe my luck I go to get up, what's that pain in my feet? Oh, fuck that's that one, and 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 I just want to crowbar this one in just for you guys because the whole community and everything, especially on Instagram, has just changed my whole perception of talking about this sort of thing, like full, you know, full circle. Um, so just very short one um, that's called "The Invisible," and it's um, it goes like this: We are the shadow on the photograph, the rose that sits in shade. Our struggle may never be understood, but our fight will never fade. We climb mountains every morning. Though we will never say, we do whatever needs to be done. The advocates of tomorrow were the invisible yesterday. Thank
7: you so much, Joel, for sharing. Those are really beautiful. Joel, that was so awesome. Like everyone, what you're sharing resonates like deep, like in my heart and my spirit. And it's so beautiful to hear like the power behind the messages and, you know, the analogies. I love like teas and like I am more and the fire and the phoenix. Like, yes. <laughs> so thank you, all of you. Um, so unity. And uh, my arthritis journey has been for 40 years. Um, I, I won't get into all of it, but I was diagnosed just after my first birthday. And, uh, and originally I felt very alone. And now here is like all of you. And uh, so, you know, it's awesome to have each other. So, and thank you for making this space, um, Effie and Cheryl and everyone here. Okay, so this poem, is a bit different than if you've been on my Instagram or if you have a friendship or a family relationship with me. Usually I try to focus on gentleness and softness. Um, And this one is more, uh, it goes a little bit everywhere. (laughs) Okay. So, Croon. The elephant in the room is you. Young babe, old soul, letting go. Pain, tears, hot, stuck. Maiden eyes, croon body. Hiding, seeking, movement stops, knee locks, a wheelchair choice is a whisper within, resist, persist, waking up, children racing, running, playing, fun for all, almost, ailing, failing, derailing, movements locked, bodies blocked, why can't I hasten with you? The only vacation from the pain is leaving Body, soul clean, kids run ahead, sugared laughter, old woman stays within me, young body croon, stays to watch the flowers, listen to the trees, speak the language of the breeze. Ferdinand winged ones, they understand. They're stuck to the ground like me. Different flow. This is how we grow. Grown men stride by. Happy banter. Arthritic hands, shouts one. Guess I'm getting old, he laughs. I scoff inside, hidden. I only know old. New is an illusion. A fantasy. Beyond reach, cut for fairytale movements in mind's eyes, imaginations, dreams. Tin man, tin pills, new problems. Where does it hurt, doctor asks. X marks the pain. Never the treasure. Help! Be silent, help, quiet, and then pain to purpose. Why? The guiding light, and she enters. You're here to know slow. Listen to the wind, speak to the stars, question everything. Green woman, nature heals, possibilities open, pain present, mild. New life begins, and I am old, body and soul. I am. Look around, look within, treasure found. And, uh, so I use the analogy of the croon because I basically have felt like an old woman <laughs> inside a young body, um, for my, my life. And, uh, that's helped me, you know, as a child, I relate to the gold stars. I <laughs> wanted to, you know, be the good girl. Um, but you know, I had to, to overcome the pain. I had to find the purpose of it and move from like breakdown to breakthrough. So thank you so much everyone and it's lovely to connect with all of you and I hope to stay connected too. you. Thank you so much that was so nice. Um,
2: I haven't met a lot of people who are diagnosed like right after their first birthday.
7: Only a handful
2: so I can't imagine how it's been you know what, throughout the 40 years. It's amazing you know for you to come here and share that experience with us a little bit in your writing.
7: Yeah thank you. Yeah it's uh, I think if my mom wasn't a nurse I wouldn't have been diagnosed so early but because yeah. she was a nurse When she would notice, at first they said to her, she was an overreactive mom, um, because she said she's in pain. Like she would dress me and I would cry or scream. Uh, But when I stopped moving half of my body, that's when they listened. And uh, so she was my first advocate And then
4: I actually realized I didn't do the little
1: biography part for myself. Um, Oh yeah, go ahead.
4: Yeah, so I have um, ankylosing spondylitis. I was diagnosed in 2018, but I've had chronic pain since I was 15. So I actually really felt that poem unity because, like, for so long, all like I always relate to the old people everywhere. You know, like I went to a wedding once where they had no seats, none, and the old people and me were like, "What the fuck are we supposed to do?" (laughs) Like bring like the 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 chairs from the like catering or whatever so that we could sit down, we including me, and everyone was like, "What is all the old people in (laughs) Jatel? Yeah.
7: Right. Then we got to rock with the old people, right? <laughs> <laughs> we, <laughs> us. we in, Like share tips. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. All right. Loving the poem so far. There are so many layers to um, RA, chronic illnesses. All right. So this poem, and again, my poems are pretty short. So this one is... Uh, called The Brain Fogger, The Lovely Brain Fogger. All right, so some days my memory plays hide and seek. A sadistic game of which I'm an unwilling participant. I seek, it hides. Often I'm certain I see something familiar not so it's cunning taunting me eluding discovery perfectly hidden in its fog of silence unresponsive to my pleas for its appearance so for me brain fog is one of those things that i have to grapple with i'm sure you can relate you know you walk into a room, you went in there to do something and you can't remember what you went in there for. You are doing something, something occurs to you and then it disappears. Um, So for me, brain fog is just one of those things that I honestly, um, I really don't like dealing with um, brain fog. It's really crippling. Oh, I'm going to say
4: I relate to you so much on that, Melissa, especially like the whole like you need to ask for help ask for help but it's like what if I'm unable to tell you what I actually need you know <laughs> like it's really hard right then, I'll take uh-huh. and I'm like I need I, I don't I can't express myself like
5: yeah. it's like you're reaching out for words reaching out for an image you know exactly what you want but it's not there it's like under some dark space and you can't get to it so
2: yeah. I've been dealing with brain fog a little bit lately. Um, I noticed it after like my second dose of the vaccine, just cause I, I kind of had a little flare or whatever, but yeah, I feel like with brain fog too, you sometimes forget to say what you wanted to say too,
6: you know, if that makes sense.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So I think Mimi, she wanted to go next from inflammation vacation. She has an amazing box that she creates uh seasonally. If you guys are not following her on Instagram. You should Thank you. (laughs) Um, I'm Mimi. I
8: was diagnosed with RA a little over seven years ago now. And I wrote this poem actually a few years back during a year when my RA was really out of control. And I was in and out of the doctor what felt like every other day. Um, And it's called Patient Room. And it's a very short poem. You would think after all these times I've sat in one of these rooms, it would feel like home, but it is cold and my house is never this clean.
2: That's it. (laughs) I love that. Thank you. Short and sweet. (laughs) Yeah. Short and sweet and to the point.
8: And
4: as someone said in the comments, so relatable.
8: (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, This has been awesome. I'm so glad I brought my tissues with me, right? Like... (laughs) I've got them next to me. So um, I was diagnosed with RA at 14 months. Um, I'm now 33. So or whatever you guys can do the math, that's a long time. Um, so I can relate to a lot of these struggles. Anyway, my poem is called, You Say You'll Never, But I Do. There was a doctor with a fancy degree who said you'll never walk. Two legs and feet, endless determination with a goal to meet. I've done more than walk. I am a star athlete. Sorry, this one took me a while to write. There was a doctor with a fancy degree who said you'll never be pain-free. Walk in time, endless compromise and dismission. I've done more than live in pain. I've had the opportunity of remission. There was a doctor with a fancy degree who said you'll never be a mother. Fear and worry, struggle and labor. I've done more than wish I have the most beautiful baby. There was a doctor with a fancy degree who said, your life will end before you turn 30. Anger and depression, loneliness and self-hatred, I have lived beyond 30 and treat each day like it's
7: sacred. That's my whole poem. That is so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. You almost like all the tears and it's so beautiful and it's awesome that you kept holding the vision of what you know, you were going to make happen and you did it and you're still doing it and you're going to keep doing it. And thank you so much for sharing.
8: Yeah. Thank you guys. That's, that takes a lot of uh, therapy, (laughs) like to be able (laughs) to write that and say those things, like that's a lot of uh, mental health therapy there. And, and if, if no one else has had that experience yet and treated yourself to seeing someone and getting some of these feelings out, because anger and depression is is crazy that comes with chronic illness
2: um I can relate to that um because I've been told so many times I'm not going to be able to do something I had a total knee replacement at 29 and they said that like I would be lucky that my leg would be straight afterwards but I ended up being straight they told me I wouldn't be able to go around a full revolution on a bike I was able to so I mean there's so many people who are going to say you can't do this and you can't do that and I I feel that it's possible you know so and your poem is living proof of that as well so thank um, you
4: I want to add Ashley you had us all in tears like yes <laughs> ended like all of us I looked at our screen and all of us were just like oh my god couldn't handle it, it was so beautiful and I am like so taken aback by these people who say they've never written before and I'm like yeah, <laughs> guys, like speaking as a forever teacher reading writing forever teacher I'm like no 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 these are excellent poems okay you all get the gold stars you all get the A's. these are great
3: <laughs>
4: I, I did actually if you guys don't mind I I uh, Melissa you stirred in me I remembered that I also wrote a poem about my brain fog and so I, I found oh, yeah. it right now and I would love to share that if sure yeah this one it doesn't have a t- like I said I'm not good with titles so a lot of times it's just like a poem is there and then I'm like oh I need a title for it but okay so this one's untitled it says sometimes it's really hard to put thoughts and feelings into words there's a challenge of articulation and accurate expression and the risk of misinterpretations. Once you put the words out there, they're no longer mine alone. They're yours now too. Sometimes that can be harmonious, other times contentious. It's vulnerable, it's exposed, it's welcoming and inviting and also private and personal. But what about the times when I can't? When once again, I am interrupted by my limitations When once again, I am confronted with my limitations. When once again, I cannot ignore or deny my limitations. The words don't come like they used to. My frustration visible in every line of my face and every tense muscle in my body. Visible in a way that my disabilities are not. The words are unable to navigate through the fog in my brain. Lost Wandering, uncertain, jumbled, chaotic, overwhelmed, unknown, in between, in transition, will I ever find them? Can they find me? Can they still
2: find me? Thank you, Jatel. My piece, I actually didn't write. I found it on Pinterest. And so I felt that this really fit with the theme of today. And it's written by someone. uh, Her name is Brenda Klein Sasser. I don't know if that's how she says it, but she wrote this back in 2012 of December of that year. And it's called a hundred shades of blue. So here it is a hundred shades of blue, too many kinds. It's called arthritis. Children get it too. There's OA and RA lupus and stills. Oh, how we hate to take so many pills. There are joints that swell and bones that ache Research and funding are key for goodness sake. Hope remains to find a cure for a hundred shades of blue, but awareness and sharing all begin with you. And that's basically what we're all coming here today and sharing our stories to bring a little bit of an awareness for arthritis awareness month. And that's what I wanted to close this event with. And I felt her poem was beautiful.
0: Thank you all. This was awesome. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. This episode is brought to you by Room to Thrive, a membership and support community where you'll learn how to develop your own Thrive toolbox so you can live a full life despite your rheumatic disease or chronic illness. Learn more in the show notes or by going to www.myarthritislife.net. You can also connect with me on my social media accounts on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and even TikTok. Check out the links in the show notes. just shoot me an email at info at myarthritislife.net. I can't wait to hear from you.